Thursday Theology. Nick Cleveley, what's going on? Hey, bro, how's it going? Good, good, good. These days, they fly by so quickly. <laughs> uh, right, so we talked about um, yesterday, we talked about um, infant salvation. Infant salvation and the principles behind that. Um, now, we want to dig a little deeper, do we? Yep, definitely. So that sort of brings up the whole question of faith and faith's relationship to salvation uh-huh. and the question of uh, what is the nature of saving faith. I had a conversation this week with someone in my congregation who asked, you know, how much information is necessary for faith to be saving faith? What if you have someone who's mentally disabled? What's the what's the bare minimum of saving faith? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what are your good. On that? Well, yeah, good. Just to in case someone's uh, just just uh, tuning into this, um, go back and listen to the previous one if you want to. But yeah, we sort of I, I think helpfully laid some important foundations in terms of um, there is a uh, reality of God's sovereignty and God is not God, God regenerates in a way that precedes faith. Uh, that's something distinctly Calvinistic in that we're not waiting for God to um, you know sort of hear the the magic words and then and then sort of do the magic of, of regeneration. It's um, it's something that will come out. Uh, it's it's the the soul that is made alive will breathe kind of thing, and yeah. um, and you know that faith is is the breath. It's the expression of that new life, that new regenerate life. So God does that sovereignly. He can yeah, do that. In, never, sorry, yeah. Gafford. Yeah, you good. Yeah, good. So, I mean, just something that's really helped me think through the nature of faith is uh, John Murray's Redemption Accomplished Applied. Mm. And uh, he's got a great chapter where he pulls out the Reformed Scholastic threefold definition. Cool. Yes. You know, Notitia, Ascensus, and, and Fiducia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Knowledge, Ascent, and Faith, or Trust. Yeah, very helpful. Yeah. Sproul was big so, on those as well. What's, what's super helpful about that, and uh, I think it was uh, Louis Burkhoff who brought out the observation. Uh-huh. So knowledge is relates to the mind. Uh-huh. Assent relates to conviction and the emotions. Uh-huh. And faith or trust relates to the will. Yep. So you've got the mind, the emotions, and the will all engaging in the action of faith. Yeah. Very, it's very helpful. So, I mean, uh, one of the questions, just coming back to the question we started with, you know, so the first part of faith we understand to be knowledge. So what is the, what's the bare minimum that we need to understand in order for faith to be true faith? Right. Um, yeah, no, that's that's a very important thing. Uh, and we, I think we're talking about the gospel in its historic form at that point. Um, yeah. So I mean, what I mean by that is not like some theological form in the sense that, you know, God is the gospel. You know, I, I mean, that's 100% true. He is the good news. Ultimately, we get God, you know, all that stuff that, that Parker likes to uh, emphasize. But but um, I think you'd have to know about the historic person of Christ. You'd have to know about um, the the need for your forgiveness and the repentance of sin and, uh, you know, and, and, and why that makes sense, you know, as good news. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, what would you say? Yeah, I think that's 100%. Um, so, I mean, uh, Paul says in Romans ten fourteen, how then will they call on him in whom, uh, in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom 
they have never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching hmm. uh, you know we live in a day and age where people are saying you know you just have to have faith um, and it's a faith without an object um, biblical faith has an object it's it's a message about a person yeah um, and it's a person who saves us in our greatest need a savior from sin and that person has an identity he is god made man and so there there is a basic bare minimum of facts that have to be uh, understood in order to have true biblical faith. Sin, salvation, not my works, but what he has done, and putting yep. my confidence in the provision that God has made in his work. Yeah, so we're so, truly, we're going against a blind leap into darkness there and just, you know, just have faith in faith and that sort of thing. I mean, uh, let's, let's take it to a six-year-old, you yeah. know. Um, what does a six-year-old need to believe in order to have saving faith? Yeah, yeah, good, exactly. And just um, again to take a run in, you know, what we're saying here is that um, you know God God regenerates and He could do sovereign that sovereignty. I mean, I think maybe what's helpful even to do, just uh, even the run in on this is 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 to um, make sure that we emphasize that there are ordinary ways in which God will go about this, um, yeah. and that's really what we're trying to drill in on now. Um, in that it's also certainly possible that God could do something extraordinary, but you know yeah. that's up to God, and God knows and we don't at that point. This is what we're talking about is the way God has Himself um, revealed that He will ordinarily go about the task of of um, saving and uh, bringing about faith and giving faith and that sort of thing. And so, yeah. So coming back to that issue, um, certainly we're we're, uh, we're trusting that, uh, or we're we're saying that um, uh, there needs to be a presentation of the gospel in its historic form in order for, for the faith to be uh, any kind of legitimate notitia um, knowledge um, to begin with at least and um, that would be I would say uh, this you need to know that Jesus was a man in history who was God and proved that he was God um, he committed no sin he um, died as a substitute so that uh, through our trust in him uh, we could um, we could have our sins forgiven and instead uh, be clothed in his righteousness and enter into heaven. I mean, I would say for a six-year-old, those things need to be spelled out. Yeah, and so a six-year-old can understand in very simple terms. Yep. You know, I'm a, I do bad things. I've got a puffy heart. Puffy is um, <laughs> right. the word for bad. Um, <laughs> if you're from South Africa. <laughs> and uh, Jesus had to die because I've done bad things. He took my punishment uh-huh. so that uh, I could have, you know, I could be forgiven. And become a child of God. You know, yeah, they're, 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 and even more the simple. Can be made very, very simple. Totally. I mean, just even working through the Heidelberg Catechism uh, for kids, or, or it's the New City Catechism that we're using. But um, uh, you know, the Heidelberg question number one, the kids' version is just, you know, um, what is my only comfort in life and death? And um, I love the way it gets to the heart of it. In that, you know, we're not our own, but we're we belong to God. Um, now, I don't think that alone is enough, but if, if, if they, I mean, it's just the most simple way of, of stating the heart behind why the gospel matters, you know? Um, yeah. As a result of these things, Christ has bought us, and we're not our own. We belong to God. Uh, this is the only, uh, we understand why it's the only hope that we have, because 
it left to ourselves. I mean, it's just... It's the fruit of the work of Christ. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So, you know, things like that are very, very helpful in getting to the bottom of it. But absolutely, there are simple, simple ways. And you don't have to understand it in a complicated way, I don't think, you know. Um, Bad news, good news. Bad news, good news. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I need a cure. Who's the cure? Jesus is the cure. That's why he's my only hope in life and in death. Yeah. All right. So we've said uh, there needs to be a bare minimum of historical facts Uh for faith to be saving faith. Let's throw a spanner in the works. Uh How did the faith of the Old Testament say? What was the faith of the Old Testament saint? And what did that look like? Yeah. Uh, Types. What What was the object of their faith? Yeah. The object was the same object. It was Christ, but of course, um, uh, stated in seed form and shadow form and type form. So the the one who would come and do these things, it would still be the only hope in life and in death, though, which is interesting. You know um, that if the snake crusher comes, if the uh, the one who will um, you know um, bring fulfillment to the substitutionary sacrifice, the true high priest, the greater prophet than Moses, the um, you know the one who will uh, allow access to God, the one who uh, will speak God's word perfectly the one who will make a way open back to paradise. The, you know, the, those are the things the, that people... The temple builder. Yeah. The temple builder, the city builder. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, you know, it's like a giant kindergarten lesson at that level in that, you know, God is drawing these pictures um, yeah. for what is later going to be articulated doctrinally. But it's the same thing. It's the same object. That's the provision of God in the promised Savior. Although they didn't have his name, no. and they didn't necessarily know about the cross, no. they knew that God was going to provide a Savior who would who would save us from the curse, the effects of the fall, and everything that the devil had brought in through Adam and Eve. Yeah. Now, the question, I mean, a lot, a lot of, with the cross itself, I mean, do you think that... Um well, let's take anyone, really. Um, well, you know, you could start. Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. Right. Do you think Abraham again. understood that there, there would be a substitutionary sacrifice? I think that is actually a massively important question. Um, you could you could go back even further than that or even later than that. But, the, you know, do they understand that Hilasmas concept? I think some of them must take glimpses. Isaiah 53. I mean, what could Isaiah... I mean... What else could he have understood? You know, an innocent sufferer suffering on account of the, the, the sins of the people of God, that through his suffering the people of God would be justified. Yeah, yeah. Um, there must have been some grasp of that. Some um, grasp. Job, of I know that I'll stand before, you know, he's gonna, he knows he's going to be resurrected in his own body to stand before his Redeemer. Totally. Yeah, there are and some even... radical, revelatory glimpses. Yeah. They're not necessarily fully inscripturated for us, but they must have seen something. Or even at a more baseline level, I mean, you know, just the, the day of Yom Kippur and um, the atonement. And basically you've got you've got this like animal that has committed no sin that must die. Um, and, and as a result of that, you know, you are forgiven. You know, so you've got a substitutionary thing happening. The innocent for the guilty is clearly on everyone's mind as the way in which God will save. And then, you know, even if they just knew that and the fact that there would be a savior coming, um, yeah. you know. Well, David, I, David foresaw a priest. The priest right, even visited. further. Yeah, that's right. Totally. Someone who would be a mediator between God and a simple people. But in those things, what we're saying is that they understood the cross. A very basic way, but they understood the cross. I mean, that's what the cross was. And yeah. um, and so, in, in fact, in some ways, they understood, if they grasped those points, 
they pro- they understood the cross be- better than most liberals today, or most uh, even uh, Roman Catholics, I would argue. You know, in that you, yeah, I, I you, tend to take a maximalist reading of those verses that talk yeah. about you know Abraham saw my day and rejoiced, as opposed to a minimalist approach. Some right. people yeah. really limit the horizon of the Old Testament person who seen something to a minimalistic understanding of what was coming, but. You know, we understand that the Holy Spirit was revealing hmm. things to them about what was what Christ was going to accomplish, and they were looking forward to this child to be born of a woman who would undo the works of, of the devil, and it gets revealed that he's going to be a prophet. It gets revealed that he's going to be a king. It gets, yeah. gets revealed that he's going to be a priest. It gets revealed that he's going to have to suffer for the sins of the people. You know, it's this collective... Yeah, I was about to say, that accumulative yeah. thing in that it would take someone... They would have to They would have to care to see. They would have to look into the things. They would have to want to know. They would have to study and think. But um, and, and so in that sense, fair enough, it wouldn't be as explicit as it is on your average gospel tract, you know, where it's broken yeah. down into like three spiritual laws or whatever, four spiritual laws. Um, but but yet, all they hoped were bound up in one individual. Totally. Absolutely. I don't think there's any denial of that. And and the fact that this individual would be the the apex of the salvation that they were looking forward to in all these types and shadows is enough. That's enough. And maybe that is helpful in terms of when we're asking the question, you know, what is the minimum thing you need to know? Well, I mean, I suppose, you know, there is well, a... Now that, now that Jesus' name has been revealed, there is no other name under heaven by which, we, uh, you know, that we can be saved by. Right. Exactly. So the name of Christ does become important. Yes, I agree. Yep, totally. Um, the person of Christ as the the one who came to the, the one who was vindicated as the, as the fulfillment of those types and shadows essentially becomes becomes huge. Otherwise, you nullify the very yeah. thing. Um, and so, and, yep. uh, you know, I would make a bold statement and say, you know, when Cornelius had an angel visit him, you know, the angel told him to go get a preacher to tell him about this name. Hmm. You know, totally. Uh, it was an angelic visitation. It was a supernatural and miraculous intervention because we always hear stories about how you know Muslims have been visited by angels and all of a sudden they became Christians. Mm-hmm. You know, and sure, God can act providentially in that way. He is a powerful God. He can do as He wills. But mm. I think we need to bring home the ordinary means yeah. of grace and how God works. And that's, we actually, um, you know, preparation to hear a message from a missionary that ended up walking through the door. Totally. <laughs> Totally. And uh, we actually, it's funny you mentioned that on Sunday that we had a guy who, um, uh, he's 1040 window, that's his jam. And uh, he's back and forth uh, between, um, you know, some pretty gnarly places. And um, he has had a recent opportunity to speak to these Muslims, just entering in, illegally into countries and just full on stuff, you know. And yeah. Um, and yeah, he was saying like he was amazed he got to speak to these guys they all said that they uh, it wasn't a dream or something I, yeah maybe they dreamt that there would be a man at a border or something it was pretty in, intense you know and yeah. Um, yeah and as he said that I almost wanted to break into a little theological treatise and that you know as as someone who believes in the normative means and operation of God yeah, um, I, I just I'm never going to be the guy that's saying God can't do extraordinary things according to you know i'm just not going to be that guy but i don't think we need you know with something like that you're not bound to believe it you're not forced to believe it you're not obligated to believe it all you're obligated to believe and do is the normative revelation of god in the way we go about these things um you know that thing is good and well amen maybe who knows but let's press on with what we know god has said you know and um, um, coming back then to the question of what's the bare minimum yeah so We've spoken about a six-year-old. We've spoken about the Old Testament. 
Um, what does, you know, does God save the unborn infant through faith? Um, you know, yeah, that's let, great. let me throw it yeah. before you. Yeah. John the Baptist, we suspect, was regenerate from the womb. We know he had the Holy Spirit from the womb. Uh-huh. Um, his mother uh, began to prophesy when he left for joy, when the mother of his Lord walked into the room. There was that prophetic recognition. Uh-huh. Um, what would faith have looked like in the life of John the Baptist at six months old conceived? Yeah, totally. Well, um, didn't the, I mean, I don't have my... Uh, dictionary of Latin terms on me now, but uh, the, the the way that they divided the uh, principle of faith, the fiducia something and the fiducia other thing. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about there? No. Okay. Well, basically, there it was a massive deal answering that exact question. In that the okay. the principle of faith can exist without its expression necessarily. Um, yeah. And 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 so that was the debate. And they they've got they've got a whole different Latin term for it. Okay. Brilliant. <laughs> so, I mean, just coming back to us. You know, uh, normal theological categories that we'd be familiar with, my yeah. understanding would be the Lord would regenerate him according mm-hmm. to sovereignty. We're mm-hmm. Calvinists who believe that God goes before, mm-hmm. that no one can come to him unless they're drawn by the Father. Mm-hmm. And whatever response a six-month-old conceived child can make is the response that he would have made yeah. to yeah. the act of God regenerating him. Yeah. So it wouldn't be a full-blown faith um, as we understand it with a person who's got all the intellectual capacities that we have, but there would have been some response, whatever it could have been yeah. for a child of that age. The living soul will breathe, totally. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And um, that breath will look different at various stages, but yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, that's, um, again, just a big point. Now, you know, in terms of your... Um, those categories. So we're talking about minimal knowledge here, minimal notitia, but what about um, minimal census or... or uh, uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, the classic text is James 2. You know, the devil believes yeah. that there's one God, or the demons believe that there's one God, and they tremble. So they have a head knowledge, but their head knowledge has not, um, they don't agree with it. They don't assent to it. They're mm-hmm. not convinced that that's the truth, that's the truth for them. Mm-hmm. So there's no agreement with it. So, you know, you can go to Sunday school, you can get taught. You can uh, have your catechism memorized. Uh-huh. Um, you've got it as head knowledge, but you just don't agree. Yeah, um, that would be a lack of a census. That would be a, a lack of assent yep. or conviction. Yeah, uh, and so that it's not only the head that's involved in the act of believing. There is also a heart response to that truth, which says, "Yes, this is the truth." Yeah. Yeah, totally. And but, you know, it, it, it is a challenging point because if the I mean, the devil understands what's going on, you know, and certainly is not duped about the reality that there is a God and these things have happened. And yet there is, um, yeah, the heart response there is lacking. And, and, and it's, so I suppose that brings it back to, okay, minimal you, you, agreements as in like, is it going to be okay to just uh, be a, a church member saying, okay, I believe in that confession. That's fine. I agree with it. Or is there yeah. something a little bit more? So national Christianity is out. Yep. You know, uh, yep. inherited Christianity from your parents is out. Yep. Hidden knowledge in Sunday school Christianity is out. It has to it has to grip you beyond your intellectual level at the heart level. At the heart level, yeah. yeah it's the whole per- it's the whole soul response. It, it might be. Yeah, it's almost like um, uh, what I want to say is is it's it almost becomes less an agreement with it and more a desire for it. Or um, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. So I mean, that would be the you know where does repentance come from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You know, what, why is all faith a repentant faith? This is a large part of where this would 
know, yeah, the, you that's know, true. I, I see what sin is. I see that it's bad. I agree that it's bad. I feel that it's bad. I feel yeah. like I need the Savior. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's the realities dawning upon the heart and a correct emotional response to it. Of that, that's saying, yes, this is for me. Yeah, great. Okay, Fiducia. 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 Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> this would be the, 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 <clears throat> the final response. You know, now that you've seen the truth, now that you know the truth to be applicable to you, what? how do you respond? Mm. And my response is not one of trusting in my works. Mm-hmm. My response is not one of turning to an angel or to Mary or to a pope or to an institution or to a ceremony to wash me clean. My my response is to take the Lord, take the Savior that my, my God is offering me, to trust in Him, to rely on Him, to put my confidence upon Him, to believe upon Him and not myself or my works. And so mm. this particular aspect of faith is what we call extrospective as opposed to mm. introspective. It mm-hmm. looks outside of oneself, not to oneself, mm. for uh, uh, its confidence and for righteousness. So I think like if we're talking minimum fiducia, if that's even a thing, yeah. um, we... The minimum fiducia is have mercy on me as sinner. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is, uh, you know, the, the I love the analogy with a parachute, you know, <laughs> you, you trust in the parachute when you jump out of the plane. Um, you yeah. agree, you know, and even if you just use all the categories, you, you are aware that the parachute, you know, how it works. Uh, you have knowledge that it opens when you jump out of the plane. Um, you agree with the fact that parachuting is a good idea as a result of these things. And, you know, um, you, you, you want to go parachuting as it were. Um, but you, the fiduciary part is at minimum, you got to trust that that you got to, Trust the parachute's going to open when you jump out of the plane. And um, I, I feel like that hits the fiducia angle on the head, you know? The very same feeling that you would have in terms of trusting, in, you know, that extrospective trust in a parachute. It's not you. It's the it's the parachute that's yeah. going to open. That, that really is the emphasis in Paul, isn't it? You know, the faith has several opposites. The opposite of faith is fear. Yeah. Faith is doubt. But mm-hmm. in Paul's writings in particular, the opposite of faith is works. Yeah. And it's a question of where are you putting your confidence where, yeah. for righteousness before God? Is totally. it in your own righteousness, your own law keeping, your own whatever you can do, or in what Christ is that? Are you receiving it as a gift or are you trying to earn it as merit? Mm-hmm. Um, and so trust really brings all of that uh, mm. to the center. Totally. Your best, most righteous work is like a like a flapping hand falling down a, <laughs> falling down an airplane pretending to be wings uh, you know you, you've got nothing you've got absolutely nothing at that point you just are uh, you've got to trust in the parachute yeah and and I don't think you can be saved without that right I don't think that if you I don't think that there can be a genuine expression no. of faith you are commanded to believe yeah you are commanded to take the Lord um, it's 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 an insult to God to say I see that Jesus is God. I see that he has died for my sin. I see that he has a sufficient sacrifice, but he's just not a sufficient sacrifice enough for me. So I'm not going to turn to him for rescue. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 to call God a liar and an act of doubt and unbelief. Totally. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, those are great, very, very helpful uh, categories. Um, I just think of also, just now that you're talking, um, 
there is a great well Asi Sproul was known for his uh, ability to sort of bring these heavy scholastic concepts uh, down to you know very simple workable ideas and um, yeah. he I, I can't remember the, the actual book's title but you know he released a series of um, booklets um, that I think you can get for like 99 cents on Kindle if not free um, but uh, there's one you know what is saving faith or something to that effect oh, okay. right. and uh, it, it sort of hits these three uh, aspects directly and then um, and then also thinking about his uh, stuff one of the most helpful um, little books on saving faith but it was actually a commentary on the Westminster Confession by Sproul um, it, you know on this on this on this area of saving faith that, uh, uh, in the confession uh, it's just incredibly good um, it's one of the best I've ever seen so it's just worth worth um, recommending if, if people are just you know because often this is a big thing because often it comes down to assurance as well right people are wanting to Wanting to know, you know, it's. I mean, faith is so maligned and ridiculed and messed up, and you know, people could be forgiven for having some wrong conception of faith. Uh, the world's idea of faith is 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 just um, so so different in that you just you just believe, just believe I can fly. <laughs> Sorry to keep coming back to the to the to the flying analogy, but I can believe I, I believe I can fly is basically the idea. You know, just just believe that you can believe and and have faith in the faith, and that's all you need. Faith has an object and. Um, and so coming into Christianity, you got to get that right. It's one of the awesome parts about Christianity in that, you know, you're not, you're not asking for unreasonableness. You're not asking for a blind leap into darkness. You're not asking for just wishful thinking. There's, there's a very reasonable, well-thought-out approach here. And um, to know that you've, you've done these things at a minimal level, um, you know, in a non-meritorious sense, of course, is um is just um it it helps for assurance uh, you know yeah. you know that you have expressed faith publicly so yeah good um amen thanks nick that's that's great cool brother be blessed all right see you guys mm-hmm.